Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. Oh, lightning round questions, that sounds interesting. Mesdames et messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympic fans. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you today? My elbow just snapped so loud. <laughs> I thought I was going to be, uh, who was it, Oksana Masters, who had to put her arm back together with tape at the last <laughs> Paralympics. <laughs> wow, okay. That was false alarm. But Were you so excited to, uh, like celebrate our 100th episode that you just smacked stuff in apparently i guess i was <laughs> celebrating a little too hard 100 episodes that's pretty good it's a big it's a big round number and you don't look a day over 26 <laughs> <laughs> well, i hope we sound better than episode 26 whatever that was <laughs> Hey, speaking of like i'd like to thank all of the new listeners we've gotten over the last week and thank you for sticking past episodes one, two, and maybe three before we really hit our stride. We appreciate you slogging through those, but we figured it out. It always is. That's the way it is with everything. You you need to find your footing and uh, we, we've hit our stride. So that is what has helped us keep on the road to episode 100 and beyond. And the network didn't cancel us after the first you know, <laughs> half of the first oh, season. you're so funny so. with the network. <laughs> 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 the network execs come in and say, you know, that girl needs to be blunder. I, I, you know, I don't think we'd even get into the door to see the I network executives. So <laughs> oh, but to celebrate both our 100th episode and the fact that it is Labor Day weekend here in the United States, uh, we are having a little lightning round. This is where we revisit some of our guests and we ask them, the same or similar five questions to find out a little bit more what they love about the Olympics. So today, first off, we are starting with Grace Hahn, our Team Olympic Fever translator and interpreter. If you remember, Grace was the executive assistant to the president of the International Shooting Sports Federation. 
And that job that she kind of fell into turned into a whirlwind of a gig where she traveled the globe for decades. And so here are some of the insights she learned while on the job. Take a listen. Lightning round. First off, there uh, it's five questions. So what is the question you get asked most about your job? Oh, they always say, Grace, I would kill for your job. Is it fabulous traveling so much? And then you got to lie a little and you get to yes, fabulous. You don't tell them it. You never sleep. I mean, why, why break their dreams, right? What is the strangest thing you've ever had to translate or interpret? Oh, it was ugly. Somebody um, from the Mexican Shooting Federation was embezzling. And my boss found out and he called them here to his office. And he said, Grace, you, you are going to translate exactly what I'm saying. And at one point he said, are you stupid or are you just a thief? And I had to say that. Jeez. Are you kidding me? I said, well, why, what am I even doing here? But since there was a person who didn't speak Spanish there, I had to say what they were both saying to each other. This guy went red, bright red. And it was, it was ugly for about half an hour. He got chewed out in the worst way. Did he stop embezzling? He, no, he, he, I think he got fired. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him at all. I think he got fired. Wow. On top of humiliated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you don't steal from sport. That's a really cheap shot. What is your first memory of the Olympics in general, like when you were a kid? My first memory of the Olympics was watching it on television, and I never missed um, ice skating, the artistic ice skating, and I never missed, like, Nadia Komenech. I watched her win. I never missed gymnastics or, in the winter, skating. Excellent. Me too. Stay. <laughs> me too. Yes. <laughs> that, that, me too. Those are my ones. So then the next question, we might know the answer. If you did an Olympic sport, which one would you do? Oh, my God. I don't know that I have the uh, talent, but I think that I would go for skating. I mean, just to feel mm -hmm. the speed and my hair blowing in the wind and the nice costumes. I'd go for that. I mean, I saw the I saw the movie about um, this American skater who tried to uh, oh, sabotage. Oh, I, I Tanya. I, I <laughs> saw I Tanya, and I saw her life and the way she worked, and it was like that is. It made me hesitate, but if I had that kind of discipline, definitely. All right, sequins involved, so I am with you. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> And finally, what is your favorite Olympic souvenir? Oh, my God. I've got backpacks from all, this, all the Olympics because since I'm carrying my own clothes, snacks, my boss's tie, and my boss was given a gift, it goes in the backpack. I can't be carrying this way because of my back. Mm -hmm. So every time I go to an Olympics, I get a new backpack. And that's my favorite souvenir, which is not cheap, by the way. Right. So... You know, how is it going through security then? Or do you get to go through a separate entrance because you're with the president and they don't have to search uh, your backpack? 
No, he gets to go through a special entrance because he flies his own. He comes in his own plane. But if I'm flying um, commercial, mm -hmm. then what happens is that I get the accreditation, the Olympic accreditation, and then you have a special lane. And of course, that lane is a lot emptier than if you were going with the rest of the tourists. Mm -hmm. So you're tired. You, it's been a long trip. At least you get that lane. And it's it's really, really cool because that lane goes directly to the Olympic um, transportation. That's oh, nice. a nice little perk. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And then what about at the venues? Then do you get... At the venues, I get in with the president. So we, okay. we go in anywhere we like because we have a symbol that means infinity. And that means they they can't stop us. I can even go in where the where the um, guns are, are kept and oh, stored. Wow, okay. Yeah, the, the the kids, the young, the sh the shooters cannot take their guns outside of the venue. Um, so after their competition, they pack everything, and they sign a paper and they store them. Next morning, they have to get there early. They take them out from storage and they, so they can go train. Um, so I can even go in there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. Wow. Thank you so much, Grace. If you want tips and guidance about working remotely, check out Grace's website, gracemyolympicworld.net, or get her ebook, Work Remotely and Travel the World, a guide for real people with real responsibilities, which you can find on Amazon. I love listening to Grace. Grace is so much fun. <laughs> she is so much fun. And so many of the people that we interview, when we ask them about what's their first Olympic memory, they'll say Atlanta or Sydney. Once or twice, we had people say even later than that. But I was so glad when she said Nadia. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we aren't 100. But she is so much fun. You know, I, I, would, I would love to be or see what the, that whole... IOC session room is like with all of the assistants and all of the people and, you know, the upstairs downstairs element of all of that. Right. Right. Absolutely. Because there is, there's these men and women who are at the table with such big egos and, and rightfully so, you know, and a lot of power. And then all the assistants just actually doing the heavy lifting behind them. Right. And, and reading all, all the this, reports and marking that this is important. <laughs> and knowing all, you know, knowing where the bodies are buried. Not right. literally. <laughs> figuratively. <laughs> but yeah, she had, I don't know things that, she said things to us off the record. We're like, oh, no, no, we won't, we won't publish that. But now I'm like, oh my God, are we keepers of secrets? Are they going to find us? No, because they don't know what we know. I know. And let's keep Maybe it like that. Maybe we know where the bodies are buried. Yeah, if we did, I've totally forgotten. <laughs> I can't remember what we talked about last week. That's true. <laughs> do you ever look back, and I do do this, do you ever go back and listen to some of the really older episodes and it's like, it's a new show for you? No, you know, I haven't. I do that because I'll look at the episodes and I always obviously listen to the most recent one or I'll say, oh, we're doing a second episode on a particular sport. But I'll go back and I'll have forgotten that we talk to someone and I'll go back and listen to it. And it's like, I get to rediscover it all over again, which is so much fun. <laughs> and I finally gotten to the point where I can listen to it without realizing it's me. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I which wonder how helpful. long, it, how long it would take me to annoy myself with how I, how I sound to me. I'm able to listen to it as if 
it's another person and sometimes she really irritates me. (laughs) Well, let's move on to someone's voice who is not irritating at all. And that's our Kiwi Connection, Dr. Michael Warren. Take a listen to what he had to answer to our lightning round questions. Lightning round. All right, let's do a lightning round with you, which are our quick questions that we ask to all of our guests. What what is your first memory of the Olympics when you were a kid? Uh, So that would be Atlanta 1996, day one of competition. I remember New Zealand, Daniel Loder winning the 200-meter freestyle final, and, and that really sparked my interest in the Olympics. Yeah. What is the most surprising thing you discovered in your research? Um, The most surprising discovery in my research, I think, is that New Zealand's Olympic history is not as clean or not as positive holistically as as many New Zealanders think. So, of course, we talked about Montreal in 1976 and also Moscow in 1980. And probably Moscow 1980, the, the intense pressure placed on sports and athletes to withdraw from those games by the government. If you could interview any New Zealand Olympian, who would you want to talk to? And you can go back in time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I interviewed a few for my research, but one of the ones I'd love to interview the most would probably be Peter Snell or Murray Helberg. They were the guys there at Rome in 1960. Was, was it, this is a follow-on, but was it difficult to get people to talk to you? I had good support by the New Zealand Olympic Committee who were able to reach out to Olympians for me. Some Olympians were excellent to be able to, to converse with Blythe Tate, for example, who was the individual equestrian gold medalist in Atlanta. He was fantastic. Um, some Olympians really want to tell their story and, and talk about their experience, and others who may not have had as good of experience don't wish to. So you respect that. But by and large, there's, there's real interest out there by Olympians to tell, to tell their story. If you could do an Olympic sport, what one would you do? Oh, <laughs> that's a good question. You Probably don't have to the... have any actual talent in it. Okay, that's it could be, good. It could be fantasy. Probably one of the glamour events, right? The 100 metres or something like that. That has global um, global interest. The Usain Bolt from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, do you have an Olymp- a favourite Olympic souvenir? I've actually got one of the torches from Sydney 2000. <gasps> what? Well, funny story, we have an uh, an auction website in New Zealand, like eBay, called Trade Me, and I happened to be on there one day looking, and somebody put up their torch to sell, and it was at a really low price, and they kind of wanted rid of it, so I put a bid in, I think it was $100 or something like that by memory, it was very low, and... I won it. So the torchbearer that sold it, um, because the Olympic torch came to New Zealand in 2000, I think it did three days here as part of the tour, and the runner ran with it in Wellington. So they even gave me the uniform. So um, that was a real steal, and it sits pride of place on my mantelpiece. Wow, that is a package deal. I know, so it was pretty, it was was a steal. I felt kind of guilty thinking, well, you know, this is really cheap. Yeah, but they wanted rid of it, and they were they were quite happy in the end that it was going to a good home. There you go. Wow, that is so really that's pretty awesome. Cool. <laughs> that is that's really fantastic. cool. I bet you weren't expecting that. No, <laughs> not at all. Wow. 
if if some of our Olympian people hear how cheap your torch was, man. I know. They will figure out how to get on Trade Me. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only one ever advertised. Wow. That is amazing. What a lucky break. Really. That was brilliant. I mean, yeah. wow. Perfect timing. Uh, well, Michael, thank you so much for getting up early. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Michael. Michael's been writing for Team New Zealand, and he's got a new post up on their Road to Tokyo blog. And he's, uh, his current episode is about canoeing, which Team New Zealand has a strong tradition in. So it'll be exciting to see how they do at Tokyo and, and how that field plays out for them. Earn the fern. Earn the fern, right? That was... Oh. Every time I see that, I get a little verklempt inside. Really? Because I think it's a little. I think it's a very powerful statement. Yes, because the fern being so powerful mm-hmm. in New Zealand history very. that it has a lot better than you know own the podium. Looking at you, Canada. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, uh, couldn't they have done something with the maple leaf? For I mean, there's so many symbols. When they came up with own tap, the podium, tap the syrup, tap the tree. What happened to my house? <laughs> tap the tree. <laughs> That's a different show. <laughs> oh, man. But Michael with that torch, when even when I was re-listening to it, I was like, wow. And he threw in the uniform, too. Right? I don't know. And I know Michael said that he was a little uncomfortable for how low the price was. Mm-hmm. That would definitely be one of those ethical moments where you go, I know this person could get way more for this. But I really want it. <laughs> right? And maybe A, maybe they didn't know they could get more for it, or B didn't care. I mean, it's Just amazing it what yeah. how valuable something is to one person isn't very valuable to the next person. That's true. And we've done so much discussion of the Olympic collectibles mm-hmm. and how some people just you know, if they only collect sponsor pins and they have NGO pins, they're very quick to get rid of the NGO pins and other people will just hoard those like right they're gold it's amazing when we were at the olympian show a couple years ago i remember seeing a set of plastic cereal bowls from kellogg's and i have that same set of cereal bowls but we use them all the time and i also tend to put food scraps in there for the composter so they're pretty much all stained. <laughs> I haven't bothered to try to get the stains out. And every time I look at them, I think, I like using them. I like having them in the house. I like using them. I like seeing some Olympic aspect to my life every day. But honestly, if if somebody else saw who, who really cared about collectibles saw those, they would not be happy with me. Well, it goes back to the do you use the good china every day? I think we are a good use China kind of people. That's very true. You know, I don't think we think of the Olympics as this monolith that should be in a case. You know, I think one of the things that I've learned certainly over the past hundred episodes is how living and breathing and everyday life Mm -hmm. is part of the whole Olympic movement. Agreed. So therefore, I will use my use your stained cereal bowls, cereal bowls with a plum, with, without shame. <laughs> All right, our final lightning round today is from Dr. Victoria Jackson. Victoria is a sports historian and professor at Arizona State University, with whom we talked about uh, gender and inclusivity, and listened to what she had to say to our lightning round. Lightning round. 
Victoria, what is your first Olympic memory from when you were a kid? Oh, goodness. I love, so I grew up in Illinois and love Jackie Joyner-Kersey and Florence Griffith Joyner. I made a board game as a kid. Like I made my own board game and it was a track and field board game. And like the little people you could be, the little characters were Flo Joe and Jackie Joyner-Kersey. So I was, I mean, I was obsessed with track from the beginning. (laughs) Oh, that is fantastic. Do you still have that game? No! (laughs) We could make it an e-game and maybe it'd enter into the... (laughs) Okay, so you were a track and field athlete. What sport would you compete in in the Olympics, not track and field? Oh, my goodness. I mean... I went to the university in North Carolina and for years, basically going to UNC women's soccer games is like going to a national team competition and they dominated college tournaments, won a ton of AIAW and NCAA titles. So like if I could go back in time and start from scratch, I'd, it would be soccer, but I think trampoline would be really fun. <laughs> be really fun to be an Olympic trampoline athlete I don't know hardly anything about it but it's trampoline it sounds like fun what was your favorite training exercise as a runner yeah my teammates hated me because I'd get super pumped up and excited for uh long tempo runs so basically long distance training at race pace so like a six to eight mile tempo run at like you know, half marathon pace or, you know, like 10K pace plus 20 seconds per mile or something like that. Um, I tricked myself into thinking I liked hill repeats, but I was horrible at hill repeats. Okay, what is that? What is that? Um, You find a steep hill and you sprint the hill, jog down, sprint the hill, jog down, sprint the hill, jog down. I don't have a lot of explosive power, so I was not very good at hill repeats, but Again, you like trick yourself into thinking you like it <laughs> so that you can get through it. <laughs> and do you have any Olympic souvenirs? You know, I've I've never been to an Olympics. I and so as a spectator, I, I never qualified for one. I the highest I finished at a US championships was fifth. But I have been to a Olympic marathon trials. And that, if you can go to an Olympic trials competition, I highly recommend going to the um, team trials for marathon. It's like one race, one day. There are so many storylines to follow. It is so much fun. And so um, for the, to qualify for the Rio games, the trials were in Los Angeles and that team ended up being a team of former teammates. Um, So I competed at the university of North Carolina as an undergrad and Arizona State as a graduate student and um, one Tar Heel and two Sun Devils. And we were all on the team. We overlapped during our time on those teams, ended up making the U.S. Women's Olympic Marathon team. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> so you got to cheer on your, your former teammates. Yes. It, which is great. <laughs> Thank you so much, Victoria. Victoria recently published an op-ed she co-wrote with Andres Martinez in the LA Times on how FIFA can improve the World Cup. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Does it involve NACA being one of the most corrupt agencies in the world? I I think that has something to do with it. Okay. (laughs) 
just a thought. <laughs> but I loved how she created her own board game. <laughs> Didn't that? Yeah, like you, you got that look like, oh, it's the cutest thing ever. It is, but it did get me thinking. What if you could choose your Olympic board game piece? Ooh. Would you be a person or a thing, do you think? That's a good point. Like, would you... Do you, you be a sneaker? Do you be a podium? Do you be a medal? Or do you be a per, do you be an athlete? That's a good question. I mean, I'd kind of want to be an athlete, but... I know who I'd be. Who? Nadia? Well, no. if I was an athlete, but no, who I'd really want to be is the girls who come out with the medals. Oh! <laughs> that would be my game piece, because honestly... Nothing happens without them. Right. And yet they sneak around and nobody notices. And then all of a sudden they're just there. Right. And they won. I like Stealth it. I can see that. Board and, game and, and in Victoria. It, like the, the thing about being an athlete, when you asked about being an athlete, like, do you pick it? Are you just like generic athlete or do you have to pick somebody? Because then your board game, well, you, I guess you'd have to keep getting expansion sets or something, but well, then it becomes like a Dungeons and Dragons where your your person has certain qualities and weaknesses. Okay, that was probably the nerdiest thing I have ever said on the show. I bet somebody could make an Olympic version of a role play. I mean, seriously, you'd have your five sided die. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be our listeners because they are Olympic nerds. <laughs> Right. And that's why we love them. Exactly. And I want to know, listeners, if you have ever created your own games like this, because I know some of you have or something similar to it. I know when I was a kid, my best friend Julie and I had the Star Wars obstacle course, which that's for a different show, I guess. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> the Star Wars obstacle yeah, course. Yeah, fantastic. But if you have created a game that's Olympic-based, we want to hear about it. You can connect with us on Twitter or Insta at Olympfever, or join our Facebook group at Olympic Fever Podcast. And that's where the real conversation is happening. And we're having a lot of fun in there this week, talking about all the random stuff that's going on in the world of Olympics and how fans relate to it. There have been some really good gear posts lately. People have been getting gear. We found out something about uh, Helsinki's stadium reconstruction. It's been a, it's been a good week, and very grateful for translations because <laughs> <laughs> neither one of us surprisingly speak Finnish. <laughs> All right. One other note: uh, we have noticed that some other Olympic podcasts are popping up in the podcast sphere, which is going to happen because that's why we started ours, because you'd get Olympic podcasts that would only be going on during the games. But we're getting some more that are doing a lot of run up to the games. So even though the competition is great, we are the most fun Olympics podcast out there. But even though we're the most fun, we need to find more fun people to listen with us. So it would really help us if you shared this show with your friends and followers, or if you wrote a review or gave us a rating on the place where you access the show, be it iTunes or Apple Podcasts or another podcasting app. That helps us get noticed and we find more of our people to hang out with. Yes, because we're fabulous and we've lasted 100 episodes. That is right. I know. Can you believe that? I know. I know. It's pretty cool. Almost two years. We'll hit our, our second anniversary coming up next month. 
I know. How many celebrity marriages last that long? Exactly. I know. And look at us. We haven't even had our first public spat yet. Let's keep it like that. Okay. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) The paparazzi haven't, you know, seen me tumble out of the car and (laughs) be throwing my shoes after me or something. Or or we could do a a Justin-Britney dance battle. Oh. A break dance battle. Oh. What do you think? I'd probably kill myself trying to spin on the head, but that's okay. We, we have six years to make that battle happen. I know. M like, Camp six years, will five be with years? us. M Camp is on my team. I'm claiming him. Hmm. 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 Well, then I will take artistic swimmer Jacqueline Simoneau, because oh. I bet she could translate those moves to the floor. You're probably right. She already can spin on her head underwater. <laughs> That's impressive. (laughs) Well, let's go assemble our teams and uh, we'll get back with you next week. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive. Stay in touch. Email us at olymfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at Olympfever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. We aren't 100. <laughs>